victory that day he set me free amen god bless you saints good morning i greet you all in the precious name of our lord jesus if you come expecting amen we just want the lord to have his way but let's sing this song i love this song i appreciate the inspiration for sister Marilyn all those years ago it's something about singing songs written by a believer amen just a different weight to it so let's worship together as we sing this now oh glorious victory that day he said
Praise our God. Once my soul was astray from the heavenly way that was wretched and vile as could be.
Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. We worship you this morning, Father. Oh, thank you for your mercies, oh God. How great you are, Lord. We love you, Father. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Can we just sing that chorus, all that I have, all that I am, all that I ever shall be. We're just going to invite the brothers to come prepare for the morning offering. Brother Michael Ray, I could ask if you would just open the service for us in a word of prayer. We don't have any written prayer requests, but as I was looking at over the congregation, I was just reminded of a bit of a testimony that I felt to share. Brother Joshua Rivas actually was working, some of you might have heard, he works in the logging industry and was loading a log and something went wrong. It actually came crashing through the windshield of the machinery that he was operating and it's just an absolute miracle in the hand of God that he wasn't crushed by it. Ended up kind of scraped up, beat up a little bit. We're so grateful for the protective hand of our Lord Jesus. How many of us have testimonies like that where God just stepped in and supernaturally changed the situation? Thank you, Lord, for preserving our brother Joshua. Amen. But let's sing this just in thanksgiving to the Lord and consecration as we just prepare to open the service in prayer now. Oh, all that I have, oh, and all that I am, oh, I shall ever be. Oh, it cannot repay the him this morning heavenly father what a theme of worship this morning lord when you reached down your hand to me lord i was lost and undone without god or his son lord i was just thinking this morning of the scripture lord who art man that you are mindful of him lord as david lord was pondering maybe even these thoughts he was lord thinking of how you oh god would be mindful of his needs and his situations and lord you'd pick him up lord you guided david through the giant lord goliath and through the different trials of life he said oh god who are we that you're mindful of me lord we're in that same position this morning as we would look through our own lives and see how you've guided and you've led us lord we heard a testimony about our joshua you protect us lord through the different situations satan would desire to snuff out our lives maybe prematurely but your hand was there all the time as a song writer penned he's there all the time oh god we're so thankful but then we could count
cap it with the song, all that we are, Lord. Everything that I'll ever be, Lord, anything that I'll ever attain, it's because of your hand that reached down towards us, picked us up out of the clay. Oh, God, we cannot, Lord, how can we not be so thankful this morning? Lord, that you sat there in glory and desired fellowship with man. You rearranged all of the things. You said, I, I need to save mankind because I so desire that they would have fellowship with me. Oh, God, that's what we're here this morning. It's to fellowship with you. Lord, it's to, to have communion with you. Not a Sunday morning to sit in a pew. Lord, and to hear a song or hear a minister. But Lord, it's communion with the Creator. The one that saved us. The one that, Lord, plucked us out of the muck of sin. So we thank you this morning. We want to dedicate our service this morning to you, Lord. Lord, that you'd have your perfect way, your, your, your every desire could move through this sanctuary. Each one, Lord, would settle, Lord, their own heart, just yield ourselves to the moving of your Holy Spirit. Do the unexpected this morning, Lord. Lord, do the supernatural this morning in lives that, Lord, maybe didn't even know or, or unexpectedly, Lord, they're here. But, Lord, you have a moment in your presence for them where you're going to change their life, Lord, forevermore. Set them on a course to glory. Lord, that's what we're here this morning. So we give it to you. We commit the, the minister, Lord, the hearer of your word. Have your way in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. seats as we take up the morning offering. Once again, we'd just like to greet all those visiting with us this morning and those joining us by way of the streaming. I know we had a couple brothers, Brother Tice, Brother Noah Smith from the Netherlands here this morning visiting with us. God bless you. I believe they'll be in town for a while, so take some time to fellowship with them. <clears throat> I did want to mention also uh, the music meeting that's been mentioned. We've also sent out an email to the congregation. Uh, it's for all those who are involved in the music in any way, if you sing, if you play, if you're in the tech side of things, we would like you to come and be there. It's going to be over at the school in the assembly room downstairs. It's this Thursday, the 28th at 6.30 p.m. It'll probably be about two hours. A little bit of a presentation, just give me an opportunity to express my heart to you and in being involved with the music ministry, and we'll go over everything from tech side to administrative and how to do things, and also just scripturally and what we do and why we do it and we just like to have everybody on the same page and kind of help maybe tighten up a few things, but also just take what we do to another level because God has blessed us with so much talent and so many gifts. I mean, are you appreciative of singers we have here and the musicians? We really have just an exceptional crop the Lord's given us, and we're so thankful for it. So please come if you can. Uh, I believe we are going to try to Zoom it, right? We're going to be able to do that. So we will send out an email with the link this week. Uh, but if you can come in person, please come in person so that we can a chance to answer questions and just spend a little time together. So I hope that helps clear up a few things, but that'll be this week, Thursday. Uh, let's just sing uh, The Battle is the Lord's, if we can't, key of D, if you wouldn't mind. And we're just going to allow Brother Tim to come out as he feels led. Whenever you feel ready, Brother Tim, you come. We'll just sing a couple songs and just continue to worship. What an atmosphere already, though. Amen. And so grateful that God is so mindful of us. Let's just sing this, though. There is a source in times of need. There is a source in times of need that gives me
Saints, you are the key of seed. This is my story. This is my song.
Amen. Let's stand together. Are you glad that you are the redeemed of the Lord? Are you glad that he is yours and that you are his? You are not your own. The Bible says you are bought with a price. We belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. He has paid his own blood to redeem us and we belong to him. I want to sing that verse, perfect submission, perfect delight. Visions of rapture now burst on my sight. When this song was written, they did not have the revelation we have in this hour. But what an inspiration. Visions of rapture now burst on my sight. As I get into the Word, as I get under the anointing for this age, as I walk in the light of this hour, there's visions of rapture. There's visions of a body change. There's visions of a, uh, uh, of a transformation. There's visions of theophany. There's a heavenly body that's just hardly more than an arm's length away. It's not somewhere way out somewhere. It's right in this room. That dimension is right in this room. May God allow us by faith this morning to break beyond the curtain of time and see eternity. Not be bound by what our earthly realm is dealing with us on. You know, we sang that song, The Storm. You know, it doesn't matter about the storm. I can't remember which song it was, but you're singing about the storm. It might have been, you might have been in a storm this week. You might feel like you've run miles and miles this week. You might have been through lots this week, but let me tell you something. Just beyond the curtain of time, you'll never be tired. Just beyond the curtain of time, you'll never be depressed. You'll never have anxiety. You'll never be worried. There'll be no more fears. There'll be no more sorrows. He'll wipe every tear from our eyes just beyond the curtain of time. Oh, may he lift us up there this morning in the word. Let's sing this together. Perfect submission. Perfect. Wonderful Heavenly Father. Lord, so glad to be yours this morning. So glad, Father, that it was not up to us choosing you, but you chose us. You wrote our names in your book before the foundation of the world. We always were a part of you. 
And we always will be a part of you. We come in this world with, as it were, spiritual amnesia. Not knowing who we are. Not knowing the purpose to which we are born. But Lord, one day our eyes become open. And Lord, from that day, it's been more of you. More revelation. More walking in your light. More seeing ourselves. More overcoming. Yes, there's been more battles and more struggles. But Lord, there's been more victories. Lord, there's been more of the defeat of the enemy. And one day there'll be the last victory. And one day, one day the, the enemy will hurl his last darts. His fiery darts. And Lord, we're looking forward to that day. But while we are here this morning, we stand by faith in your word. Everything that we have need of this morning, we claim the blessings of the atonement. For all things lay in the atonement. It's already paid for. And we lay claim upon it this morning, Lord, that we might be partakers of your divine grace. We invite you, Lord, to come in the opening of the word afresh this morning. I pray, Father, that you'll help me because, uh, Lord, it's been good to study these things. I've really, really enjoyed myself in your word this past little while. But, Lord, sometimes it's hard to express them. And, Lord, I pray you to help me. Take me under your control. Take every thought in this place under your control. Lord, let all of our minds be under your influence, both here on the internet, wherever it might be. We invite you, Lord, to have the preeminence in this service. May every need be met. Be every, may every sick person, Father, be healed. Lord, may everyone bound be delivered. May the powers of the enemy be broken. Lord, we believe you're here to do those things. We don't want to forget our brothers that are overseas, Lord. Their Sunday is about over now. They've been in their services. They've had their meetings. Lord, may you strengthen them now. And in the days ahead, as they all go on ministering in the Philippines there, Lord, Brother Tom, Brother Murphy, we mention them by name before you, that you might be their portion, O oh God. As we commit this service now to you, have your way, we pray. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Amen. Let's take our Bibles and turn together to the book of Revelation this morning. I greet you all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's just good to be a Christian, isn't it? Amen. Seeing the direction the world is headed, seeing the spirits that are loose in the world, and the demons that are having their sway, I'm sure glad I know where to hide. That's in the Lord Jesus Christ. So are you hiding, Brother Tim? I'm hiding. I'm hiding from this age. I'm hiding under the shadow of his wings. I want him to keep me there and protect me from everything that's going on outside there. I don't know about you. I don't feel strong enough in this age. But I serve the strong one. He is the mighty conqueror, and he has claimed me as his own. We want to, uh, this morning, you'll forgive me, it's been a long time since I, I spoke the first part of this, but I want, to keep, I want to keep in the subject. We were speaking on the four anointings and the changing of anointings, and uh, 
And so I want to go back to it today, but just dwelling on this last age and the anointing that we are under in this day, um, which is, of course, the eagle. But more than just speak about the anointing, you know, there's always, um, I call them message platitudes. There's always statements we make, you know, the eagle, the eagle's like this, the eagle's like that, and those things. But we want to dig a little bit deeper and see why it is the way we are. Because you can't help but be the way you are. When you've been quickened by the Holy Spirit, you've been changed into His likeness, you've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, it changes you. And you come under, as Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. God sends his power under these anointings. And we're not under the lion anointing. We're not under the ox anointing. We're not under the man anointing. We are under the eagle anointing. So let's just take a, a look and refresh our memories where we, were, where we had left off last time. Revelation chapter 4 and verse 6 is where we'll start. And before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto crystal. And in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts. Brother Random calls them living creatures or anointings. Full of eyes before and behind. And the first beast was like a lion. The second beast like a calf. The third beast had the face of a man. And the fourth beast was a flying eagle. All right, let's just turn the page to chapter 5 and verse 8. And I want you to notice here now, and when he had taken the book, that's the hour we're living in. When he had taken the book, the four beasts and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by the, thy blood, out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. So when we are singing this, the anointings are singing with us. My, they bow down also. How can we not bow down? So let's turn the page over now to chapter 6 and verse 7. And when he, that's the lamb, had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast. Now this is the first time after singing that he heard the voice of the beast. This fourth beast, the, the eagle, the one was called an eagle, saying, come and see. And I heard and I looked rather and behold a pale horse and his name that sat on him was death and hell followed with him. And power was given with, unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with the sword and with hunger and with death and with the beasts of the field. So I want you to notice how the Bible writes this. It says, it says power was given unto them. Who's them? Death is an individual. It's the man, the individual, the antichrist riding the horse. Now we know his name. It's death. But hell followed after him. So hell has been opened up at this particular time. The opening of the fourth seal, it, it took place, the, uh, the eagle anointing, and I'll just specify that, 
If you want to come right down to a day, you'll have to nail it to March of 1963. That's where that happened. Now, as it becomes, and hell now begins to be opened up, now what takes place? Power is given unto hell. All of these uh, evil forces that ascend out of hell into this last day, power was given unto him. Now, I don't mean to keep you standing, but I, I just want to focus your attention. Why? are the things taking over the world that are taking over the world. All of the perversion and all of the, the demonic powers and hatred and murder and all sorts of uh, corruption and everything. Why is it taking over the world like this? Because power was given unto them. Power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with the sword and hunger and death and with the beasts of the earth. Amen. The Lord add his blessing to the word. You may have your seats. It really struck me last time I was ministering as I was speaking of Luther and how that he had come under a different anointing from even the servant of God, Jan Haas, which went before him. And, and he, till Luther, looking at Jan Hus's testimony and ministry and all of that, his, his statement was, we're all Hussites. In other words, we believe what he believed. And Jan Hus gave his life as, as a uh, living testimony to be burned at the stake by the Catholic Church and testified that there was coming one. They said, you can stop me, but you can't stop the one that's coming. He, he wasn't just testifying of a better man. He wasn't testifying of an individual that would have more. But maybe without even knowing, he was testifying. The anointing that is upon me to give my life will not be the anointing that is upon him. Nor upon those that were around him. And, and as Luther received the revelation of the just shall live by faith. And it began to preach that to the world. As, as, he, uh, as his sphere of influence now began to expand and as he began to protest the Catholic Church and their teachings and their, and their idolatry, as that began to move in his life, he didn't realize as the word became open that he be, began to be under another anointing than Jan Haas was under. He didn't maybe know what is that. It just was moving him. Brother Branham talked about it, and I'm going to refer it back to you just in just a moment, but uh, uh, I want you to, to see that Luther maybe didn't understand why it reacted differently in his life than it does in Jan Hus's life. It was the same word, but something had happened. He had received power to fight that antichrist spirit, and it wasn't going to be in the form of an ox anointing. It was now in the form of a man anointing. The shrewdness of a man, Brother Branham calls us, so that when Luther is called in to see uh, to, to the council, the, the diet, as we would say in English, the diet of worms, and, and he, he had to go there to the council with the Pope and to defend his teachings. And, and no doubt as he's going there, he's thinking, this is the end of my life. Many before me have given their lives. 
and have been called to give an account, and I too shall give my life. And I will stand. I cannot recant. I will not recant. You've heard his statements. He, he just stood as bold as bold can be as he, as he went there. And he thought, this is it. And he, and he gave his answer. And they, they told him, you either recant or you will be, uh, you will be uh, labeled a heretic. You will be excommunicated. You will be entirely cut off. And your life will be worth nothing. And, and he, he thought about it that night. And he went before the council and he said, I cannot recant. I will not recant. I do not recant. How can you renounce a revelation? The gates of hell cannot prevail against it. Nothing could stop him. And as he went back, no doubt, weak and feeble and thinking, this is it. My life is over. And they excommunicated him, said, from this time forward. But he went from there. And he goes home thinking, I wasn't killed. I wasn't burned at the stake. What's going on? And he's headed home on the road home. And I've been on that road. And I've been at the very place till where the, the uh, I forget what they call him, the, the head of that region of Saxon. And, and, and how that he, he secretly kidnapped Luther on his road home, the shrewdness of man. And kidnapped him and took him to the castle. And hid him in the castle for I think it was nine months. As he interpreted the Bible from Latin and from Greek into German. So that the local people could read it. What was it? He was anointed. Did he give his life? He didn't give his life. Finally said, listen, I can't stay hidden in this castle. I've got to return back to where I must minister. I must be amongst my people. And under that anointing of that hour, he went there with the shrewdness of a man and stood against that system and, was, and prevailed. Why? Because he had received power to overcome in his day. Amen. To him, it was different. He was breaking forth into something new. See, Brother Branham, when he preached the seal, the, the seals, the church was breaking forth into something new. See, it wasn't the man anointing anymore. It wasn't that anointing that brought the revelation of justification. It wasn't that anointing that brought the revelation of sanctification. It wasn't that anointing that brought the restoration of the gifts in the body, which all things remain in the body. All right, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying those things are not relevant or not alive. The body, all of those things were added back to the body. All that the canker worm, the palmer worm, the caterpillar, the locust had eaten was brought back. I will restore, saith the Lord. But now as the seals become open, something began to take place in the church that the church had not known for six ages. My, is that... Is that a mystery to you? It's not a mystery. It's what's written in the, in the opening of the word. It's right there in the Bible. Let's look at it a little bit. Put those slides up for me as we lay a bit of a foundation. See, you can only operate under the anointing that you're called to operate under. Brother Branham, before I get to my first slide here, I just want to mention in the message, what shall I do with this Jesus called the Christ? I don't think I have it on my list here. 
Brother Brown says, when the reformer's age went out, he says, the beast with the face of a man, organization issued. But this is the face of the eagle, the beast that went to make the challenge of the day. See, the challenge of our day, you'll see as we get into it, can only be met by the anointing of the day. All right. So now, Brother Branham, I read this last time, but I just want to refresh your memory. Brother Branham says, the martyrs down through the ages there suffered terribly. But what was they? They were under the inspiration, the Spirit of God, the power. And don't forget this church and you brethren on tape. That's you and me. He's talking to you, all right? I want you to examine this. How could a man do anything else besides the power of God that had been released to him? You see, that's Luther. He couldn't do anything else. He couldn't say, hey, take me to the stake, martyr me, like my, my, my forerunner John Huss, take me, take me there. No, he wasn't anointed under that anointing. He could only do what the power that had been released to him He says, I'm going to set this box up here to represent that. He says, if God sends a certain spirit among them, that's the only thing they can work by is the spirit that works among them. It's all you can do. You can't help yourself. All you knew is you surrendered your life to Christ. You became born again. Birthed by the word of God, quickened by the Holy Spirit. You're a born-again son or daughter of God. You didn't know how it was going to operate. You just know you needed it. Amen. Amen. And you were changed. But something began to operate on your, in your life, and you can only operate by the Spirit that works on you. He says, now we'll prove to you by the history of the church and by the opening of the seals and the powers that let loose, watch exactly the church responding to the anointing. And they couldn't do nothing else. Amen. Now, I want to go into a subject this morning. I was worried when Brother Stephen was preaching on faith because he began to quote some of the, very close to some of the things that I wanted to continue on if the Lord was willing. And uh, that is from the message, Perfect Faith. And Brother Branham lays out some things in there pertaining to the anointing and the spirit of the age and what we are called to be and what the, how the word will have an impact in our age. And I'll start by saying this, that, that we have come to the anointing of this hour that is to bring the church to the full revelation of who she is. You are to come by the word that is anointed for your day to the revelation of who you are. That is the greatest battle to understand who you are. If, if you knew that you were the, the uh, uh, I'll just say it this way. If you knew that you were the son, oh, I can't even use this example very well. I was going to say the son of the prime minister. And then that wasn't a very good example. Then I was going to say the son of the president. And that's even a worse example. I thought, my, all our examples are going downhill. But if you knew that you were the son of the president, you'd have no problem visiting the White House. Amen? You just walk right in, just like they do. And then say, I'm just here to visit dad. And they'd have, the Secret Service have to open the door. Here, on, oh, go right in, go right on into the Oval Office. Go ahead, because you're the son of the president. 
that gives you certain rights of access. And when you come to the revelation of who you are, not on this earth, but in God's side, you realize it gives you certain access into the promises of God. See, like they, they, again, I'll go back to the skidded camp when they did Esther. Esther had to, the, had to come to the revelation of who she was, that she had rights of access that nobody else had. Amen. Amen. So we, it, the revelation of this hour, which is a bride hour, a, a, the anointing of the last days is to bring you to the revelation of what it means to be the bride. That's why it's been churches, churches, churches. Brother Branham says, I no longer call you church. I call you bride. There's so many things, turning points in his ministry that, it, that if you study. Now, the reason I study Brother Branham's ministry, and I'm just going really fast. I'm sorry. The reason I study Brother Branham's ministry is because he's the, the keystone for this age. All right? We are all stones in this building that God is building. But there's a keystone that holds it all together. And God anointed William Branham, yes, he has a name, his servant, God's prophet, as the messenger to the last age. It's just that simple. And so when I study how God deals in his life, it begins to reflect how God is moving in this age and how, because a prophet stands there, I shouldn't have to lay these things out, but I, I guess it's good for us. A prophet stands there with a vision that is different than our vision. He sees things that we don't see and announces them to the church because the Holy Spirit has put him in that position with those gifts to identify certain things and not only gifts, but certain rights because there's many prophets. Does that surprise you? The Bible says there's a fivefold ministry. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Those are all in the church. There are many men that are gifted as an apostle from their birth. There are men that are gifted as a, as a prophet, called as a prophet from their birth. But there was one that was called to be one of the seven stars in his right hand in the book of Revelation that he would use for this age to declare what he is doing. So you can feel an anointing of the hour. Even Brother Branham says it in one place. He says they're, they're crying out, fast pray, fast pray. There's coming a revival. He says, but that, why do they do that? They feel the anointing of the hour, but they don't recognize what God has done. They don't recognize the awakening of the bride. And so there, there's a reality of what God is doing, but it takes a prophet of God. Listen, don't gloss over what I just said. He says there's a group of people. He's talking about the leaders amongst the Pentecostals. He says that are saying, you need to do this. You need to fast. You need to pray. You need to have all these things in order to, to, to stir this revival that's coming. And Brother Branham says, what is it? They're feeling an anointing. But now here's a prophet standing here with the eyesight of a prophet and saying, but what they don't see is what I see. I see the awakening of a bride. Hallelujah. The word has gone out. Behold, the bridegroom comes. Go ye out to meet him. Praise be to God. Oh, how we needed that eyesight in this hour. Sorry, I'm getting, I'm going to, it's, well, we only have one service today. I praise the Lord. All right. Well, I got a few less amens on that one. All right. Now, in the Easter seal, before we go to the fifth seal, 
Brother Branham says, so Jesus, so full of quickening power. Now remember, we're talking about the recognition of who you are. Jesus, so full of quickening power, said, if you can destroy this temple that took you 40 years, you thought, to build, I'll raise it up in three days. That's what they thought he was saying. But he thought, or he knew he was saying, this temple. This temple. Now, remember, there's a reality to the temple. Brother Stephen Ibali spoke on it in his first service, Reflections of the Eternal, I think he called it. And uh, he talked about the reality. The reality is you are the temple. That's why you have a high priest that is not after the Old Testament order, but after the order of Melchizedek, because the high priest ministers in the temple. His, this high priest comes to you because you are his temple. Amen. And ministers to you, the ministry, oh, we don't have time to go into that. Hebrews 8, 9, and 10. You can read it there. So Jesus now says, I'll raise it up in three days. He says, do you know you're the one the Bible speaks of? He's asking you now. Do you know your position is in Christ? If you're in Christ, you're a new creature. Do you know this word is just like everyday living to you? You see, when you're a new creature in Christ, you cannot get away from the word. Amen. You say, oh, Brother Tim, sometimes I get in the flesh. Yeah, you do. But if you've been quickened by the word, it's inside of you, Amen. pulling you back, convicting you, saying that's not right, is it? You need to make that right. You need to do right. You need to approach it in line with the word. You can't get away from the word when you've been sealed by the Holy Spirit till the day of your redemption. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm glad for that. Amen. I'm glad it's not relying on me holding on. But it's the word holding on to me. The word cannot get out of me. I cannot lose this word. Oh, people can walk away from the word of God. You know, we say walk away from the message. They walk away from the word. That's what they do. And they, they, they might be able to walk away from the word. I can't. Everywhere I go, it's inside of me. I can't get away from it. Doesn't matter what angle I take. Doesn't matter how much I try. I've been quickened by the word of God. It's a reality within me. You know, this word is just like everyday living to you. Sure. Why? Why? Sure. It's yours. You are an eagle. That's your food. Amen. The word is open. The book is open. You are an eagle. You're of this age. All right, let's go to the message, Perfect Faith. Now, Brother Branham, in this message, is laying something out very particular. Those of you that like to just study the message, and it should be all of you, but those of you that like to pick up the message and see what a prophet of God had to say to this age, if you pick up this message, there's some messages that Brother Branham in particular dwells on the anointing of this age. I'll give you some titles later. If you like, you can go and study them. But he says in perfect faith, he says, now remember they had power. Jesus had given them power to heal the sick, to raise the dead, cast out devils just a few days before that. Now what a few days before that he's talking about where the man have an epileptic son, brought him to the disciples. They couldn't, the Bible says, cure him. 
And then he brought him to Jesus to see if Jesus can help. And Jesus says, I can if you believe. And the man says, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief, which is to say, Lord, I believe, but help thou my lack of faith. And so he says they, he, had, he had given them the power. They had the power, but not the faith to use the power. All right. The power. The power of the eagle has been sent into the church 60 years ago. But the, so the power is here. All the power that this church will ever need is already given. There's not more power coming into the church. This power is already here. All right, so let's read it the way Brother Branham says. But now there's Branham Tabernacle. There's the church, the bride today. The Holy Spirit is here with the power. But you haven't got the faith to move it. This isn't a rebuke. This is an eye-opener. All right? You might, some people might read this and say, Oh, I don't have the faith. Oh, I don't have the faith. I read it and say, We've got the power. We've got the power. The power is here. Everything you have need of is here. Whatever you need in your life is already here. It's already here. What's going to unlock it? Only faith is going to unlock it. And faith, of course, is a revelation. But when God, and God is the only giver of revelation, so when he drops that revelation in, the power is already there. Hallelujah. It's already there. Every every sick person that's in this place, every person that needs a touch from God, the power is already here. God just has to open your eyes and cause you to realize and reach out and accept what was already paid for at Calvary. It's already here in the church. See what I mean, he says? It takes faith to move it. All right, I'm going to go through a few quotes just for foundation this morning. Jesus had faith in the word of God that said what he was. It is written of me. Oh, we could stop right there, couldn't we? It is written of me. Is it written of you? It is written of me. We need to catch this that that we might understand what is written of us. Let me just, and I, I just have to be a little bit different this morning, if that's okay. It's not written what we should think about we soon one day will be. It's written about what you are. You don't read the word of God and say, oh, I, I, I aspire to that. No, I am that. That's me. That's what faith does. It tells you who you are. And Jesus had faith in the word of God that said what he was. It is written of me. Didn't David in the Psalms and the prophets and all of them speak of him? I am the bread of life that come from God out of heaven. I am the tree of life from the garden of Eden. I am these things. I am that I am. We could go on. The rose of Sharon, the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Prince of Peace, the Everlasting Father. When you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Because the Word says I'm the Everlasting Father. Amen. He says he knew with that a perfect faith that he was the anointed Messiah. 
All right. So there's the power now to produce what the word said he was. And he had faith in what the word said he was. And that's why it produced what he was. So he, he knew with a perfect faith that he was the anointed Messiah. The lion, the ox, the man, and the eagle are all anointings. And the eagle anointing has come in this day to prove to you that you are the anointed bride. Yeah. Or Brother Bram says in many places, anointed Messiahs, Mrs. Messiah. You are the feminine part of his body. You are the tabernacle of his dwelling place. You are the one that he has chosen. You are him's, him manifested in this hour. You are that because the word declares you are that. And may the Holy Spirit raise our revelation this morning to catch the reality of who we are. That though you're sitting in a pew, sitting in a church, in a place called Cloverdale, built with man's hands, a structure that we just dwell in, but realize that there are angels all around this room. There are heavenly beings around this room. There's a presence of God in this room. There's an anointing of an eagle in this room to anoint you and catch the revelation of who you are and cause you to see the reality. The reality, not the carnal. The carnal isn't the reality. The reality is who you, the word says you are. Lord, raise our faith this morning. Take our thoughts under your control, Lord. He knew that with a perfect faith that he was the anointed Messiah, that the Spirit of God was upon him. He said, now I myself do nothing, but it's my faith in God. Every sentence here is powerful. I myself do nothing. I know who I am, but I myself do nothing. Oh, Brother Tim, what do I need to do? I myself do nothing. But it's his anointing on me and my faith in the word. And God was in him, the word made manifest. Let's carry on. And when the word of God comes in you, this isn't me saying it now, this is the prophet saying it. When the word of God comes in you, it's made manifest for you are a believer. See? And a believer is the faith of God that moves in you. The faith of God that moves. Oh, it's simpler than you realize. It is so much simpler than we sometimes realize if we could just catch it. I was sharing a testimony uh, to, on, in the prayer meeting the other day uh, to the brothers. A simple testimony. But sometimes we don't connect the dots of what a prophet said. And that is well, how faith really operates within us. And don't ask me for this quote because I'd have to spend time looking it up because I don't have it at my fingertips right now. I guess you could ask it for me and put me to work. But my wife was telling me that she had taken our son to a piano lesson. And... Uh, we had got a new teacher this year, and uh, because for well for various reasons, so we had, uh, Gideon has a new t- piano teacher, and she says I went into to the the place where he gets his lessons, and the director took me to meet the new teacher, 
And uh, she said, I looked at her and I said, do I know you? And she looked at me and she says, Ashdown? And of course she said, no, Dodd. <laughs> no, she was Ashdown. She was. And so, and, and it come to realize it was one of her buddies from high school. This, this woman she knew from high school hadn't seen her for 30 years. But that's not the faith part. Two weeks before that, this woman came on her mind. And she began to think, I should look her up. See if I can find her. And, and I don't know what intention she has. We never really discussed it. But no doubt with the faith of a believer, it's like, you know, maybe I could share something with her. Now, Brother Branham says, have you ever had something you thought about come to pass? He says, that's faith working in you. See, and you are a believer is the faith of God that moves in you. And, so, and, and your life is made that way to operate that way because that's how God wants to operate in you. It's not about, you know, we say it so often, it's not about just going to church and worshiping and all of those things. It's much, much more than that. The word of God is just everyday living to you. Amen. When you're born again by the Spirit of God. That's how God operates. You might say, well, it's a simple testimony, Brother Tim. But what made that happen? There was faith in a heart that took her mind to a certain woman as she began to think about her. So it wasn't just an instance. Something began to move in her heart for this woman. And then all of a sudden, two weeks later, there she is standing face to face with her. And she hadn't seen her in 30 years. That's the way our God operates. Stay tuned for the rest of that testimony. All right. I don't know if she's listening to this service this morning. We don't know. But he says, Jesus lived in a world that nobody knowed about. He was an odd person. He lived in a world of perfect faith in a perfect God in which he was. Now, if you study history, you will study that... Uh, Uh, There was a Roman emperor, and the Romans had control of Palestine or Israel, and Herod was the the local ruler in Israel, and there was Pontius Pilate that was the local representative from the Roman government, and there was these men and the soldiers, and this is how they operated, and the world was going through all of these uh, controls of the Roman Empire that was being manifested in all the regions of the world as they conquered the known world, and all of these things were taking place. That's man's perspective. But that's not God's perspective. Jesus lived in a world nobody knowed about. He was an odd person. He lived in a world of perfect faith in a perfect God in which he was. If we lived in a perfect faith of a Christian to what we are, not want to be, what we are. See, the problem isn't what you want to be. The problem is not recognizing what you are. He said, but he says, if we lived here, he says, we'd be a mystic to the world. The people wouldn't understand you. Amen. 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 That's the reality of it. You see, you, you, can't, 
You can't make the world, the carnal world, see what the spiritual believer sees. He says, you walk in the spirit, what the spirit said you would do, what it forbid you'd not do, and you'd be a mystic person to them. See, now I'll go back to my wife's testimony. Now, if my wife said to her friend, I don't think she did, but if she said to her friend, you know what, two weeks ago I was thinking about you and I was going to look you up on the internet. Now, the friend would say to her, isn't that strange? Ah, that's an amazing thing. What is that? You become a mystic to the world. Because you begin to operate. And I love taking these simple testimonies and making you realize that faith really operates on a simple level. It's not faith. Oh, faith told me to go to, to uh, Guatemala and raise the dead and the whole country came in. No, that's man's imagination of greatness. God operates on an individual, simple level, making you a mystic to the world. And quite frankly, it will make you a mystic to every carnal believer in the church. Why is he like that? Why does he say those things? Why does he operate like that? What moves him like that? I don't understand that. I don't think we ought to be that way. Why? It's just carnality in the church. It's just minds that are not yet quickened by the word of God trying to figure out why somebody operates somebody because you have to be in the spirit to understand how this operates. All right, let's carry on. That's the way it is to all believers. Hello, all believers. They're mystics. The people don't understand because they live in a world to themselves. The Holy Spirit has been speaking to us over the last few meetings, recognizing who you are, recognizing what your purpose is. You have come here with a commission. You have come here with something that only you can do. Only you can fit, are the size of the stone that can fit in the place in the temple that God has placed you in. Only you have the gifts that only you can operate. And without you, the body is incomplete. And without you, the body suffers. When one suffers, we all suffer. And so we've got to be who we are. Praise the Lord. We've got to understand how God moves in us. And as long as we can focus in that, then we're a benefit to the body of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 4 says that the fivefold ministry is to bring every member of the body into position so that every joint supplies. Amen. Amen. Until we all come to the measure of the fullness of the stature of a perfect man, edifying itself in love. All of these things. All right. You still with me? All right. You cannot understand each other carnally. But if you're in the same spirit that I'm in, you'll catch that God is doing something in Brother Tim. And I'll catch that God is doing something in you. Let us walk in that way. You cannot understand the message by theology. Carnality will never understand this message. The mind of man will never be able to interpret the message. But if you can get into the same spirit that operated in Brother Branham, under a man anointing, which we're not under, but under a man anointed, anointing, he, he brought a great restoration until the opening of the book when he as a prophet moved under an eagle anointing. 
And that's where we have to, I'll stop here and explain this now. That's where we have to be careful because a prophet is an eagle. And actually all prophets operate under an eagle anointing. But the anointing on the age from at the beginning of Brother Brown's ministry was not an eagle. It was a man. But when the eagle anointing come, then that ministry had to, had to operate from change from one anointing to another. And that's why you see even in a man, and I'm not trying to explain Brother Branham. I'm, tr- I'm trying to get to the point of explaining you. Don't look back to a man anointing and try and operate like that. It won't work. Catch what the Holy Spirit is doing in this day. All right, let's go a little bit further. You still with me? And so when a man lives by faith and walks by faith, I mean substance faith. He is isolated from the entire world and becomes a new creature in Christ. Can you say amen to that? Now you're getting into bride material. See? You're getting into rapturing condition now. Oh my. So now he's showing us, which we often say the message is to produce a rapture. Uh, I don't like that term just because the message itself won't produce a rapture. The last member coming in will produce a rapture. Well, what what does the message do, Brother Tim? The message gets you ready for the rapture. The message gets you in rapturing condition. And when God sees that all things are ready, the rapture will take place. Amen. And yes, God sent this message to take us there. Praise the Lord. You're getting into rapturing condition. You're getting into bride material. He says that means for each one of us. All right, we'll just slow this down a bit. Not just the pastor, deacons, trustees. That means for the laity. Every individual walks in a world with God alone. All right. I'm just going to drop this and I don't want you to misinterpret me. But I'm just going to say, it's not just for those that will lay hands on you in a prayer line. It's for you that would go through the prayer line also. That's why in this message, Perfect Faith, Brother Brown says, if you had perfect faith, you wouldn't need a prayer line. All right? And then I'll reiterate, and then at the end of the service, he had a prayer line. All right, So he didn't do away with prayer lines. That's not what he was saying. He's saying the place God wants to take you is beyond prayer lines. But we'll still have prayer lines. We'll still pray for the sick. We still stand at the front here, lay hands on you, pray with you, believe with you, anoint you with oil, all of those things. But the place he's taking you is beyond that. The place he's taking you is where Jesus was. Amen. And Jesus never went around and said, maybe if I could just get in the prayer line. Oh, that got quiet. I'm sorry. Maybe that one was too sharp. But that was Jesus. He didn't need a prayer line. Why? Because he walked by perfect faith in what the word said he was. And again, the, the prayer lines have not been done away with. All of those things that came from the man age, they haven't been done away with. They're a part of the body of Jesus Christ. The gifts of the Spirit, sanctification, praise the Lord, is still part of the body of Christ. 
I'm glad justification is still a, body, a part of the body of Christ. All of those things are still here, but more has to come under the anointing of this hour. That has to be more because why would he change the man anointing to the eagle anointing? To take you to a place, each one of you, every individual walks in a world with God alone. Praise the Lord. I'm glad I have brothers and sisters that can pray with me. I'm glad we have a prayer meeting. I'm glad that, that there's burdened people with prayer. I'm glad for all of that. But even Brother Branham says the greatest prayer you'll ever have is to get alone with God. Amen. He says he gives the orders and you pack them out. Whatever he says, there's not a shadow of doubt nowhere. You walk right on. How many wants this? Amen. Amen. How many believes this is you? Amen. Amen. You walk right on. If the Lord says this, there's nobody in the world can talk you out of it. You go on just the same. Now you're coming to perfect faith. Perfect perfection that cannot fail. That faith never fails. Hallelujah. You can, uh, and that's, I think, what Brother Stephen was getting at when he spoke on faith. There's different types of faith. But when you come to this place, as God is bringing you here, when you walk with God, uh, separated from the entire world, a mystic to all those that are of a carnal mind, there's something that moves in you that you know the word must be fulfilled in your life. No different than Jesus going to Calvary saying, in three days I'll be back again. I'll be back upon this earth. And I can even say as they watched him in the carnal realm, they took the body lifeless down off the cross. They took it and wrapped it in the garments and they laid it in a tomb and they covered the tomb with the stone. And in that tomb was a body. And as far as the carnal eye could see, that body was him. But he wasn't there. He had stepped out of that body now, back into his theophany. He had gone down to preach to souls in prison. And he laid out the word, that promised word that Noah preached. I am that word. That word that Enoch represented in a, in a pyramid. I am that word. That word that Jeremiah preached. That word that Isaiah preached. That word that each one of them preached. I am that word. Hallelujah. I am the manifestation of what they spoke of. And as he spoke that, he says, and I'm not staying here. He was in hell. He took our sins upon him and he took them down into hell and left them there. He says, and I'm not staying here. I'm not going to spend time here with my sins. That's what perfect faith did. Then why do you spend time with your sins? Perfect faith will take you out of your self-pity. Perfect faith will take you out of your pity party. I've been through this. I did that. I did that. The devil will come and remind you. But perfect faith will give you a different perspective. And seeing Jesus with a spiritual mind, he went down and preached to souls in prison. And then he ascended up on high and emptied out captivity, emptied out paradise. And he walked in, lift up ye everlasting gates and be lifted up. Let the king of glory come in. Now on earth, everybody was just looking at the tomb. The soldiers were watching the tomb. Oh my, not not much happening. Not much happening. Oh yeah, that's the way the carnal mind looks at the church. Oh yeah, not much happening. I'll tell you what, there's a lot happening. 
God is doing a lot of things in a lot of lives and a lot of miracles in a lot of places and moving in spiritual realms that the carnal mind will never be able to comprehend. But the mind that was in Christ Jesus, hallelujah, he ascended up into paradise. And as he began to to preach to them, they weren't doubters. They were believers. Here he is. Amen. Here is the rock that was hewed out of the mountain, Daniel said. Here's Melchizedek, Abraham said. Oh, Enoch says, the one that walked with me. Here he is now. All of these one begin to testify as they saw him individually as a mystic in their age to the reality of what he is and he is all of those things and they testified in the bible and jesus said perfect faith in what the word or what the word in enoch said he was or what the word in noah said he was or what the word in abraham said he was or what the word in moses said he was or what the word in samuel said he was i am what they said i am I am the I am. Glory. There's a lot happening. Oh, but there were the Roman soldiers. Oh, I hate these grave patrols. Nothing happening here. Oh, I'll tell you what. Just a few hours later, that which was happening in a spiritual dimension, which we only know because we're told broke forth into this dimension. Hallelujah. And an earthquake shook the place. And the dead were raised. And the tomb became open. And he stepped back into that body. Hallelujah. He stepped back into the body. I'll not allow my Holy One to see corruption. Before 72 hours had expired, he stepped back into that garment to come back into this dimension. Because the garment is only that which allows you to walk in the dimension you're in. And when we get in our theophany, it will allow us to walk in that dimension. That doesn't mean the dimension is only real when we're there. That dimension is real right now. Hallelujah. I love these things. This is life to the believer. It's life to me anyway. That's why Brother Branham said, said in the message, perfect faith, and I don't have this on the screen. I just want to say it to you. He says, we're going to find out something in a few minutes. He comes to the end of a service. I'll see just how advanced my church is in what we believe. See just how advanced the people are, how they're ready to take the sword and walk out in the front line and say, I challenge you, devil. Put my name down there, Lord. Amen. I challenge you, devil. I defy you. I defy you on the sickness of my children. I defy you on the, on the problems in my family. I defy you for everyone that claims they don't know God. I'll tell you what, they're going to know God. Because my God is real. And he's not just real in my soul, he's real everywhere. And he'll make himself known to every predestinated son and every predestinated daughter of God. And I defy the devil this morning. Because this word is real. And it's quickened in my soul. Hallelujah. I'm getting 
Hallelujah. We're getting to places this morning. Amen. You know, the anointing is called an eagle for a reason. It has a purpose. And as, as I said, the purpose is to bring about rapturing faith. The purpose is maturity. The purpose is to bring us to the throne. There's a great purpose. But God uses the eagle symbol, as Revelation is a book of symbols, purposely for a reason. And, and Brother Branham, throughout the message, there's about a thousand quotes on the eagle. Yes, I did go through all of them. And uh, that's just what a preacher does. And, you know, as, as Brother Branham begins to describe, he, he emphasizes certain things. Of course, he emphasizes the, the wings and how that the eagle rises on its wings and how it has long-range vision but it also has focus. You know, it's not long-range vision everywhere. It's, it's a specific vision for a specific purpose as it focuses down on its prey or it focuses down on what's relevant at, a, at any particular time. And as the eagle rises on its wings, Brother Branham, you know, of course, tells the story of when he's out hunting and he's uh, there's a storm, and the eagle is blown down in the storm. And, and he says that there was a, a squirrel that was chattering, chatter, 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 chatter. And, and he says he thought that he, the squirrel was chattering about him because he was worshiping God. And he just said to the squirrel, you know, don't, don't get all excited. I'm just worshiping our creator. And, but he saw the squirrel wasn't really looking at him. He was looking somewhere else. And when he looked to where the squirrel was looking, he saw an eagle. And the eagle had been blown down in the storm, and uh, now that the sun had broke free, the eagle, the eagle was kind of uh, stretching and flexing its wings and, and probably getting the moisture off and all that kind of things. Why? Because the eagle was not meant to walk on the earth. The eagle was meant to soar in the heavenlies. All right. Now the squirrel was looking at it from an earthly perspective. It will never understand things the way the eagle understood things. You know, the squirrel might live in, in, a, in an area not much bigger than this sanctuary. And so that might be its entire world. And it, everything that it thought about was in that entire world. Is there enough food in this world? You know, is there a place for me to sleep in this world? Is there, is there you know, am I, am I going to have a job? Am I, am I going to lose all my money, you know, my bank account? You know, the squirrel was just operating in a natural earthly realm. But the eagle was made to fly above all those things. Amen? And so as, as the squirrel just be, continued to chatter, Brother Branham, you know, talked about the eagle, and, and he began to address the eagle, and he says, you know, I could, I could shoot you right now. He, say, he says his talking or threatening to the eagle didn't face the eagle at all. Because he knew who he was. He knew that all of this earthly chatter going on around him, even what Brother Branham said on the earth, had no bearing on who he was. And that at any moment he could just flop his wings and be out of there. And Brother Branham said that's exactly what he did. He says that eagle has got perfect confidence in what God gave him in those two wings to fly away from his enemy. 
He says, then what ought a man to do that's born of the Holy Ghost? When he feels the Holy Spirit around him and you know that you're in love with God, what do you care what the devil says? Or how many threats he makes? It doesn't matter what the devil has put on your mind this morning. You're anointed with an eagle anointing. And the eagle is different from the lion, the ox, and the man in that the lion, the ox, and the man are earthly creatures. I'm sure you've heard this before. The eagle is a heavenly creature. But there's a reason that he's a heavenly creature in that the eagle rising up into the heavenlies gives him a different perspective on things. He sees what the other sees, but he sees it from a different perspective. And that's what the opening of the word is to do for us in this hour. We see the same word that has been here for 2,000 years, but now we are identifying ourselves in the word from a different perspective. We have been anointed to see things differently. You have been anointed to see it differently than Luther or Wesley or Pentecost. You've been anointed differently than the dark ages. You have even been anointed differently than Paul. And Paul was caught up in the heavenlies. And if there there was anybody, now he had an eagle anointing as a prophet, but he didn't have an eagle anointing as the age. So that's why he says there are certain things that we cannot speak of right now. He wasn't anointed to speak certain things. Why? Because they were held over till this age. That you might come under anointing to see things that even the apostle Paul saw and couldn't write. To hear things that the apostle John, also a prophet, saw in the seven thunders but couldn't write them. But you have been anointed to see them. Hallelujah. Down through the ages they looked at those scriptures through an earthly perspective. But now you've been lifted up into the heavenlies. All right, let me just carry on here. It creates separation from the world. If you're anointed with this anointing of this day, it creates separation from the world. You can't help it. This anointing does not entice me to go into the world. It does not entice me to feed on the world. It does not entice me to partake of the world. It moves on me to separate from the world. And whenever I get into a situation where maybe some news or some media or something trying to inundate me with worldliness of the spirit of this age, there's something inside of me that says, separate yourself. It's inside of me, not over the pulpit. It's inside of me says, you don't want to feed on those things. You don't want any more of that stuff. That's creating a wrong atmosphere. That's giving you a wrong attitude. That's, that's totally moving you in a wrong direction. Raise up on the wings of an eagle and separate from these things. Separate yourself from the chatter, chatter, chatter of this world. Talk about a chatter age. It's a social media age. Chatter, 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 chatter. Oh, Lord, let me rise up on the anointing of this hour above the things of this world that will only create doubt, that will only create fear and cause me to lift up where he calls me to. Brother Brown relates the story of the mother eagle and the eagle born in the chicken yard. Why is he relating that story? Because the chicken or the eagle in the chicken yard that was hatched under a chicken 
thought he was a chicken. That's the way you were born. Thought he was a chicken, but didn't quite feel right. There's got to be more though. They were feel, oh, isn't these, aren't these wonderful bugs? Oh my, just come over and scratch here in the manure pile with me. There's something good in here. And then he goes like, really? Is that all there is? Is that all I can get out of this world? It's just try and scratch for a few seeds or a few bugs or something. And oh, the stuff in this yard is atrocious. It's repelling me. And that's all there is. Just party in a bar room or have some kind of fellowship with worldly people or play a ball game with the world or all that. Is this all there is? But you're an eagle. You weren't made for those kind of things. But if you think that's all there is, you do those kind of things. But one day the mother eagle flew over. I love the way Brother Brown describes it. The mother eagle flews over and screams out. Screams out and he hears that scream. And something answers the deep that's within him. And that deep that's within him, the mother eagle, she she says, jump. Jump and spread your wings. Because you were made to be up here where I am. Hallelujah. You were made to be where God is. You were made to be, your thoughts were made to be where his thoughts are. Your attitude was made to be what his attitude is. Hallelujah. Your approach to the devil is made to be what his approach to the devil is. And he can cast out the devil with a finger. Do you realize the power that lays within you? He's crying out, jump up here. Come up higher. Don't look at my world with, a world with an earthly perspective. Come up to the perspective that you were made to have. Hallelujah. That separation can only be caused by revelation. Hallelujah. Now, there have been eagle anointings down through the ages. You still with me? I'm going to nail this one down this morning, if you don't mind. Praise the Lord. So we can really see who we are. Or at least see ourselves a little bit better than we saw ourselves when we walked in. That's the washing of the water of the word. Lord, wash us. Let me see the way I'm anointed to see. And hear the way I'm anointed to hear. That's why Jesus said to the disciples, Blessed are your eyes for they see. Blessed are your ears for they hear. Others have desired to look into these things. Even the prophets of old have desired to look into the things that you see. And did not see them. And I'll say it this way. Every church age desired to see what you're seeing. But could not see it. Because the anointing wasn't for them. But the anointing's for you. Blessed are your eyes. Blessed are your ears. Oh my. There was the prophet Elijah, an eagle, at the cave, anointed as an eagle in that hour. And we know that he ran away as far as earthly. Brother Branham says he was up on Mount Carmel, anointing. You know, I could, we could talk about anointing. As Brother Branham says, anointing is not what you think it is. He talks about it's. Uh, you know, Jesus in Luke chapter 4 takes the word of God and, 
and you know, takes a scroll and reads, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he has anointed me to, and then he lists the things that he's anointed to do, leaving some of them for the last day. Sits down, precious words proceeds from his mouth. Brother Brown says, now you would think the man with the greatest anointing that ever struck the earth when he was anointed, he'd run all over and scream and shout and do all those things. He says, that's not anointing. That's just the blessings. He says, but the anointing is supreme power in control, knowing exactly what and how. There was, the Elijah, there was Elijah anointed on Mount Carmel. He wasn't the one screaming and dancing and jumping and cutting himself and all those kind of things. That was the prophets of Baal. Right? They were all, they tried to work up God coming on the scene. You can't work it up. You are anointed to be who you are. And Elijah there under the anointing, he just sat there all day. You know, he kind of just relaxed himself. He knew what was going to happen. Listen, we know there's going to be a rapture. It's going to happen. I believe I'm part of it. If there's one, I'm that one. Praise the Lord. Now, I'm not saying we'd be lazy about it, but Elijah knew what, what was going to happen. And so he just says, hey, you're not calling loud enough. Call a little louder. I loved his sarcasm. Oh, maybe your God's busy. Are you getting a busy signal? Try calling again. Oh, my what, what are you guys doing? Come on, guys. Sing a little bit better. You know, you know, he was just egging them on. Oh, and they were just working up a fervor, maybe foaming at the mouth, whatever they were doing. They were just so getting into it. And then the evening time came. He was anointed. He rebuilt the altar. Hallelujah. The prophet of God rebuilt the altar. Twelve stones, one for each tribe. Ephraim has a part in this. Judah has a part in this. Dan has a part in this. I'll say you have a part in this. When the Elijah of this age was building the altar of God, your name was there. And Elijah was building the altar. And then when he built the altar, he laid the sacrifice on the altar. And when he laid the sacrifice on the altar, there was a ditch that was dug around the altar. And he said, now pour some water on the, on the, on the sacrifice. He says, you could, you could pour water on it all day and all night. It doesn't make no difference to my God. Right. Hallelujah. And he poured and poured and poured until the ditch of a parched ground was full of water. That was a lot of water. And finally, he says, now. Talk about a mystic to the world. Let it be known, O great Jehovah, that you are God and I am your prophet. And what was that saying? Boom. Boom. Something came out of another dimension and struck a fire and burnt that sacrifice and burnt that altar consumed the altar, licked up all the water. The power of God was poured on that. Talk about an anointing. He was anointed to do what he did and God fulfilled his word. He didn't have to work it up. 
He didn't have to pump it. He didn't have to prime it. He didn't have to do nothing. God had spoken to him on an eagle anointing. And he stood there. And God fulfilled his word. What an anointing. And then the next day comes. And he gets a message from Jezebel. Because he killed all the prophets of Baal. So don't let him go. Let's slay them all. He killed the prophets of Baal. Now the next day, God hadn't told him about the next day. Praise the Lord. Prophets don't know everything. But God had told them how to do the altar. I'll tell you what. Sometimes when God speaks to you, I know I want to say this in the right way. I'm sure every preacher is the same. When God speaks to you and says, do something a certain way or say something a certain way, and God comes behind it and quickens it, you're standing here like a superman. You feel like you can conquer the world. And that's what Elijah felt like on Mount Carmel. But when he got the message from Jezebel the next day, there was no anointing to that. And he run from there, scared. Anybody ever been scared? Oh, praise the Lord. We have a lot of honest people. Must be the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Sure, we all come into a situation where it's like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to, how to respond to this. But that doesn't change who we are. That doesn't change that God was watching over Elijah. And God took him from there and sent him down to the, to the, the juniper tree. And then gave him some food and sent him from there. I think it was 40 days journey onto a cave. And there he is at the cave. And he's waiting at the cave. And, he, and the Spirit of God comes by. He says, what doest thou here, Elijah? He says, I alone am your servant. Brother Branham, Brother Branham now paraphrases it for us. and reflects the thoughts of a prophet. Is this okay this morning? Yes. And he, he, says, he says, he's thinking, I did everything I could. I showed signs and wonders. I, I, I showed them your, the power of God. I, I called them to repentance. I did everything I could to show the people that Jehovah is God and nobody believed the ministry. He's feeling totally rejected. He says, I, I did everything I could. I'm the only one left in Israel that believes you, Lord. And then God causes a whirlwind to go by. Doesn't move Elijah. That's not what I'm looking for. God causes an earthquake. Shakes the place. The Bible says in Acts chapter 4, the Spirit of God shook the place they were living. But Elijah stood there and goes, no, I don't hear him in that. A fire went through. And Elijah says, no, that's not what I'm looking for. And then the Spirit of God comes back in the still small voice and says, What doest thou here, Elijah? And Elijah recites what he already recited. says, You know, I, I'm left alone here. I, I'm the only one left. And Brother Branham says it this way. I think it's right in the fourth seal. 
I'll just have to paraphrase it for you because it's probably another part of my notes. But he says, God pulled back the seal on the book for a moment. Hello, eagles. And showed him there were still 7,000 that had not bowed the knee to Baal. See, God let Elijah look on the book for a brief moment. Because the book is not a literal book. A prophet is telling us what the symbol means. God is telling them, I have 7,000 still in Israel that have not bowed their knee to Baal. You are not alone, Elijah. And I'll say, bride, you are not alone. Brother Bram says, that's no doubt what caused John to rejoice. Must have been the fifth seal. As, as, as Brother Branham said, John rejoiced to see his name upon the book. He rejoiced to see his name written down there. And John and all the angels rejoiced when the Lamb took the book. Because before that, John was weeping. But now he's rejoicing. Many times, listen eagles, many times we get ourselves into situations. All right, let me just give you a little bit of home instruction here. Brother Branham says, when you grieve the Holy Spirit, when you do something that's against the Word of God, it causes the Holy Spirit, like a dove, to fly away and sit on a branch. You ever heard that statement? He's not talking about the new birth there. He's talking about the anointing that's upon you. You see, that anointing of power upon your life separates from you until you repent of that thing and then you can feel the presence of God drawn near again. Still born again, all right? Just explain that to you. So here was Elijah now that didn't change the fact that he's a prophet, didn't change the fact that God knew him before he was born, didn't change the fact of anything, but now Elisha being in the weakness of his flesh under the juniper tree, now at the cave, feels like he's the only one left. Just end my life. My ministry is done. It's all over. And God says, I'm not done with you yet. Amen. God had a purpose for his life. And just to encourage you, I'm going to pull back the seals a little bit because the opening of the seals is the greatest encouragement a son or a daughter of God could ever receive. You are living in the age of the greatest encouragement. Or the lamb stepped forward and took the book and broke the seals so that you could see the plan of God down through the ages. You might feel like a failure this week. You might have come to church feeling like, oh, I, you don't know, Brother Tim, how many mistakes I made, how bad I feel, how my life turned sideways this week. I'll tell you what, God doesn't care one iota about that. He wants to pull back the seals a little bit for you this morning and cause you to recognize yourself recognize the body, recognize the plan of God, recognize the purpose of God. Hallelujah. That you could know it's already finished. Oh my God did that for Gehazi one day. There was Gehazi down with, the, uh, with Elisha at Dotham. Trouble. I'll tell you what, they had trouble. Because Elisha was in the business of revealing the secrets of the king of Syria. And telling Ahab, listen, don't go this direction because there's an ambush for you. Or don't go over there because they're waiting for you over there. And, and the king of Syria says, who's the spy in our midst? And somebody piped up and told him, no, it's not a spy. They're, they got a prophet. And, and uh, he says, oh, well, let's go and get the prophet. 
and then we'll solve our problems. So they take an army and they go and surround Dotham and there's Gehazi, you know, he's the servant. So he gets up first in the morning, maybe puts the water on to boil and, and uh, you know, he stretches outside and, and, and you know, wipes his eyes and, and looks out and almost paralyzed with fear. We are surrounded by a huge army. That's all he saw. That's all he saw. He wasn't under an eagle anointing. He was under an earthly anointing. And so there he, he comes back in the house. Elijah, Elijah, Elijah. I can just imagine his voice was 10 octaves higher. Elijah, Elijah. The, the, the army. And, and Elisha goes, what, what, what army? He says, we're surrounded by an army. And Elisha, he says, oh, Gehazi, don't worry. There's more with us than there is with them. As far as Gehazi was concerned, death was at the door and hell was following him. Come on. But under the eagle anointing, Elisha stood there and says, oh, no, 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 Gehazi. You don't have to worry one thing. This death cannot touch you. Amen. These gates of hell cannot touch you. Amen. There's more with us than there is with them. Hallelujah. He knew exactly who he was. He looked up into the heavenlies because he was made to soar in the heavenlies. Amen. There was something real about what was going on. He, Gehazi thought he saw the real. Oh, Elisha, I, I like being spiritual, but isn't that a little too spiritual? Quit quoting, if God be for us, who can be against us? Quit quoting that scripture. No, that's a reality. That's not just a scripture. That's a reality. And Elisha was standing there, and, and he said, oh, Lord, open his eyes. Let him see the real. And Gehazi's eyes become open, and he looked around, and there's chariots of fire, and there's angels of fire, and there's supernatural beings all around them, protecting them from death that was knocking at the door. Hallelujah. Glory. Death might be knocking at your door, but you need to rise up under the anointing of an eagle and take the word of God for your day and rise up and say, there's more with me than there is with them. I'm sorry. Sometimes I feel like I'm a preacher. Praise the Lord. If God be for us, who can be against us? You're just quoting Joshua. If God be for us, who can be against us? They saw great walled cities. They saw all kinds of things that would deter them. Giants in the land. All kinds of organized things and everything else. And Joshua says, listen, if God's for us, who can be against us? Listen to the anointed message of an eagle prophet. Hallelujah. We were made to possess this land. We were made to go in a rapture. We were made to be messiahs. We're made to be the bride of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Oh, I got to take my jacket off. Praise the Lord. 
See, we talk about the revealing of the Son of Man. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the revealing of the Son of Man. As it was in the days of Lot, so shall it be in the revealing of the Son of Man. And the revealing of the Son of Man, of course, is the revealing of Christ. But the revealing of Christ is the opening of the seals. The revealing of the Son of Man is the eagle anointing. I know you've never heard it that way before, because I never heard it that way before. But then I see a prophet say it like that. Let me read it for you. Under Easter seal, 1965. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. They were eating, drinking, marrying, given in marriage. As it was in the days of Lot, so will it be in the hours when the Son of Man will be revealed on the earth, not Son of God no more, Son of Man, so change of ministry. We're talking about Son of God, Son of Man, Son of David. So from Son of God to Son of Man. Not Son of God no more, Son of Man, come back as a prophetic message for the last day when the eagle will be flying. Not the lion, not the ox in the sacrifice age. He says, every time a religious power went forth to meet the challenge of the political power of the world, when the lion raised up, it went to meet the Roman power. And when it come to the sacrifice hour, the ox went because he's a sacrifice beast to the Lord. Then come the reformers down through the church ages come the face of a man, and them reformers have been since Luther, Wesley, Calvin, and on down Pentecostal age. But reveal time, the word of God made manifest, the word of God proved. Then he says, O children, walk into this baptism of the Holy Spirit. Not the lion, not the ox, not the man. Walk into the eagle baptism of the Holy Spirit. Come in and believe it with all your heart and God will fill you. Fill you with what? The fullness of himself. Taking away all of your man-made ideas and man-made creeds and man-made isms Because the one thing the eagle anointing comes to do, can I go one more step further? Is to combat death. He's given a name. He's the Antichrist spirit all down through the ages. But now he's given a name and that name is death. And Brother Branham in the fourth seal, if you want to read it for yourself, you can go back and read the fourth seal, listen to the fourth seal, whatever you like. Brother Branham was able to go back and identify him throughout the scriptures. He's the same individual on every horse, which I had time to show you, show you some nice slides we've been working on. He says, now, but now I want you to remember that death in itself isn't just killing people, as, as we might say. His name is death. Now remember, the second, on the second horse, the red horse, a sword was given him to take peace from to the earth and to slay with that sword. Is that right? 
That's when 66 million martyrs or 68 million martyrs, whatever it was, were killed under the Inquisition and all of that down through the Dark Ages. But now, that's the red horse, but now it's the pale horse. And the pale horse he's called death. And this person of death is riding on a power, an anointing that is all the previous powers combined. All right? It's spiritual death. It's natural death. I'll just say it's death in every way. It's death to institutions. It's death to denominations. It's death to every structure in this world. It's, it, death has ridden out in this age. And there's only two options, death or life. You might say, well, all I need is some psychology. No, psychology is death. Say, well, all I need is some medical science. No, science is death. God can use those things, but those things themselves come from the tree of knowledge. And the tree of knowledge is this one that's riding on the horse. And his name is death. And it's signifying the hour that we're living in. Life and death is being separated like the wheat plant. The wheat has to go through certain stages of the shoot coming out of the ground, the stalk, the tossle, the shuck. But then comes the seed. And when it comes to seed time, hello seed. When it comes to seed time, then the rest of the plant must die. Death strikes it all. It's not, well, the shuck has a little bit of life. No, the shuck dies. The tossel dies. The stalk dies. It all turns brown. But where is the life? It's in the seed form. That's why it has to come back to the original seed once again. The bride is brought back to the seed image by the revealing of the word under the eagle anointing, lifting you up into the heavenlies to see who you are. That you might walk by perfect faith in what the word says you are. Because when you have a perfect faith in what the word says you are, then that is all peace. That is all joy. That is all rest. That is all love. That is all power. That is all revelation. That is everything that you have need of that you might display fully the image of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Oh my Brother Branham calling. Death is eternal separation. This is fourth seal here. Remember, saints don't die. They sleep, not die. He that heareth my words and believeth on him that sent me has eternal life. Anybody want to say amen to that? Amen. Amen. He says, right, shall not come into the judgment, but is passed from death unto life. Amen. 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 I am the resurrection and the life, Jesus said. He that believeth on me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Amen. 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 And then Jesus said to the disciples, believest thou this? I say to the bride, believest thou this? Death is moving in the land. That's why governments are dying. Democracy is dying. Socialism is dying. Political science is dying. Medical science is dying. All kinds of science is dying. Education is dying. It's all dying, 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 dying. Because death is in the land. But you have been anointed with life. Hallelujah. It is a life in this hour. It is a life in this message. 
it is an overcoming. If you are in the world, you are dead in sins and trespasses. There's no other way to say it. I don't want to be on, dwell on the negative here this morning. But let me tell you, there's such a positive in this message. Oh, hallelujah. It's life. What do, people, what do people look for in psychology? They want to rest. But Jesus said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Why do people go to, to hospitals? Because they're sick. If they're not sick, they'll get sick. That's what's in hospitals. And so they just want to get well. But he said, I'm the God that heals all your sicknesses and diseases. Nothing wrong with trying to get better. Nothing wrong with the doctors trying to make life more comfortable. Excuse my voice. I think I'm losing it here. But praise the Lord. I went to the dentist a couple weeks ago. Hoping my teeth aren't going to rot out of my head, you know. Because I like to eat. You probably didn't notice that. But that's the reality. They're just trying to make your life more comfortable. But they're not the healer. He's the God that heals all of our sicknesses and diseases. Death is on every hand in this hour. Oh my. You see, every system must die. Denominations must die. There's no revival coming out in a denomination. Come out of her, my people. Be not partakers of her sin, that you be not partakers of her plagues. It's a coming out. You know, Brother Branham, in in one place, he says, he talks about revival. And I think it's in, in the message, what's more, Lord? He talks about it several times. He says, and he talks about Samson going around, the, treading the corn, what, what do they call it, millstone, around the mill. He's pushing the millstone, going around and around. They put him to work in their system, but his hair began to grow back. See, he's talking to the Pentecostals. He says, the hair began to grow back. He says, is it possible that once more, Lord, you could visit your people? Is it possible once more, Lord, you could have a revival? He uses the word revival there. But he's talking about it the word way. Samson had to go back to who he was. And that's what the eagle anointing is sent for. To bring you to who you are. Hallelujah. I'm ready to end this too. But there's one more thing I got to talk about. It's already been preached, so I don't have to preach it. But it so struck me about perspective. 
See, because God has called us to have a different perspective than has ever been had in the Word of God. That's why the seals were broken. That's why the eagle anointing is upon you. You want to you read about it? Read the fourth seal. Seed is not air with the shuck. Who is this? Melchizedek. Easter seal. Rising of the sun. Anointed ones at the end time. An invisible union. Those are all messages that will do you good. But he, there, it's been ministered lately here. Are you ready to close this service? Are you ready? Are you ready that God will close the service? Are you ready to receive out of this service what God wants you to receive? That's what I'm saying. This is not just a church service that we're bound to time. We want to let you out while you're still fresh, or at least while you're, you're not totally exhausted. The Holy Spirit knows what you have need of this morning. You didn't come here this morning thinking about things and wondering about things, but what God knows, your thoughts, as Brother Bram says, your thoughts speak louder in heaven than your words do on earth. God knows what you're going through. God knows your battle. And the answer lays in the power that he has sent in this hour to bring you into the word of God and accept what is already done. Accept that it's already paid for. You see, what he, when Elijah went to the cave, and I'll finish the story now, as he went to the cave and he, he stood there, God already knew that Elijah was called to anoint Hazael, king of Syria, to anoint Jehu, king of Israel. God already knew that that was Elijah's call. But he, you know, even though it was Elijah's call, there was a body ministry that had to go through that because it wasn't even Elijah that anointed Hazael and Jehu. He was sent by the hands of other men, but it was under the Elijah ministry, or I'll say it this way, it was under that eagle anointing that those things had to happen. That's why Brother Branham said in this hour there are certain things that have been left for the bride to fulfill. There are certain things that only you can do. There's a certain place that is only yours. And as you walk with God individually and have a communion with him, all you have to say, like, like Mary had to say one day, be it unto me according to your word. But not say it from your mind, but say it from your heart. Why do you struggle? Why do you, why do you uh, uh, wrestle church? It's the Spirit of God trying to get the revelation of the Word into you. Don't compare yourself with something else. Surrender yourself to the revealing of the Word in our day. Surrender yourself to the revealing of the Son of Man. Say, Lord, I want to have all that you have for me in this day. I will rest there. Because when you rest there, that God will take you to a place of perfect rest and a perfect joy. And that's why Brother Branham says people uh, sometimes cannot see this extreme joy that we have in this hour. Why? Because they have not, it has not been open to them the things that we see this extreme joy that we've entered into. Many are trying to produce joy. All right, here we go. Young men, video games will not produce joy. Video games must die. 
And they will. Lust will not produce joy. It's the flesh. The flesh cannot produce joy. And the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, all of those things, those will never produce joy. Those are just the devil trying to tell you this. You know, he, he, he he has all kinds of impersonations. Sisters, you knew I was coming for you. Social media will not produce joy. Fashion will not produce joy. Shopping will not produce joy. I knew it would get quieter on that one. Praise the Lord. All of these things is just the devil trying to tell you, satisfy your flesh in some natural carnal way. Listen, God wants to lift you above the carnal. God wants to lift you into the heavenlies. All those things shall perish. But God will take his people into a personal relationship with him under an anointing to see things the way that he sees things, that they may have the joy that he has. Hallelujah. That they may have the satisfaction that God has. Oh, the satisfaction that God has. Stay with me. Help me even. The satisfaction that God has. What is the satisfaction that God has? He knows the beginning to the end. He wants to bring you into this satisfaction. He knows the end of it all. He knows every name that's written on the Lamb's book of life. When it comes right down to the end, right down to the last soul coming in, right down to the bride coming in maturity, right down to the very last one, he knows every name is going to be there. Hallelujah. Everyone is going to be in their place. Everyone is going to be a full partaker of the word of God. Everyone is going to be an overcomer. Everyone is going to be victorious. Oh my, let him anoint you with his word and raise you up into heavenly places. The mama eagle is crying out, jump. Jump, separate yourself from the world. Jump, spread your wings. You were made to fly. You were made to say amen to every word of God. Hallelujah. You might be in the middle of a lot of strife. And this is what I was thinking about as I close. And, uh, you know, there, the brothers lately, Brother Murphy, and then I think Brother Jean talked about the woman that, that had to go through her husband having the spirit of jealousy. All right. Oh, this is a deep spiritual thinking now. It's Numbers chapter five, if you don't remember it. And, uh, and if a husband thought that his wife had committed adultery. Oh, my goodness. And, uh, and, and Brother Jean did a good job. Brother Murphy did a good job. But I thought of one more thing. And as a, he, he would bring his wife to the priest. And the priest would uh, charge the woman with an oath of cursing. And the priest would say to the woman, The Lord make thee a curse and an oath among thy people when the Lord does make thy thigh to rot and thy belly to swell. And this water that causes the curse shall go into your bowels and make thy belly to swell and thy thigh to rot. Doesn't sound like a very much a gospel of grace, does it? And the woman shall say amen and amen. And the priest shall write these curses in a book and will blot them with the bitter water. And then will cause the woman to drink the bitter water that causes the curse. Hallelujah. Oh, glory. Listen, saints. Rise up on the wings of an eagle and see it the way God sees it.
this woman, they would take the water, they blot it, maybe have a sponge or something. They wrote the words of the curse, then they blot it. So some of the words would now unite with the water. And then they'd wring it out in the water. And so that curse now is in the water. And the woman would take the water and she'd have to say, Amen. Amen to the curse. Hallelujah. But if she knew she was innocent. Hallelujah. If she knew it was innocent, she was rejoicing. Because this is the end of all strife. This ends the strife in my home. Hallelujah. This ends the strife in my life. I can finally prove to my husband that I never did nothing because of the words of this book. Amen. No wonder the prophet Jeremiah describes it as I was thinking about it. Thy words were found and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. And I am called, for I am called by thy name, O Lord of hosts. Oh my, she, she took the words of the book and she ate it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. She ate it. You know where I'm going. Stay with me on the journey here. She ate the book knowing I am innocent of the curse. Why? Something was revealed to her. I never did it in the first place. I never did it in the first place. That's called justification. Justification is not forgiveness. Forgiveness is forgive something you do, but justification is you never did it in the first place. Hallelujah. When we come to the book and we recognize in the book it is written that the lamb has taken the book, the lamb has paid the price. The lamb has opened the seals. And when I looked on the seals, I saw my name there. Listen, justification isn't God taking away your punishment. It's God taking away your guilt. Hallelujah. I am guiltless because of the blood of Jesus Christ. It's not just that he paid my punishment. He took away my guilt. Now I can take the book. I can eat the book. The angel said to John, take the book. Eat the book. John says, amen, my name's on the book. And the book was a joy to me because my name's on the book. It means I never did it in the first place. Jump up into the heavenlies. Rise up with the anointing of an eagle and see it the way God sees it. Get out of your carnal mind. The devil works on your carnal mind says, you did this and you did that and you did this and you did that and you did this. No, rise up with the anointing of this hour and see justification for what it is. Hallelujah. Get out of your carnal mind and get into the mind of God. Rise up and say, if God be for me, who can be against me? I never did it in the first place. I'm not guilty. Hallelujah. And every mistake I make, the blood still says, forgive him. He doesn't know what he did. I'm not guilty. I'm not guilty. The verdict has been pronounced. I'm not guilty. Let the musicians come. I'm not guilty. The word has gone out. The words have been found. The seals have been broken. The mystery has been revealed. The mystery of your life. 
the mystery of who you are, the mystery of God's thoughts about you, the mystery of it all, a bride without spot, without wrinkle, without blemish. Who can say amen to that? I say, who can say amen to that? I am that bride. Not I will be, I am that bride. I am the spotless one. I am the guiltless one. Not because I've been perfect in my actions, but because the blood of Jesus Christ is greater than anything I ever did. Hallelujah. What an anointing in this hour. Let's all stand. What an anointing in this hour to bring you into the presence of God. I say like Mary, be it unto me according to thy word. I say, it, I say amen to Paul who said, for he hath made him to be sin for us. He who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Are you in him? Then rise up into his thoughts. Cast down your thoughts tonight. Cast down your thinking. I want to sing that song he's already provided. What do you have need of tonight? Rise up into his thinking. If you're struggling, listen, carnal thoughts are strong. The devil has a power called death to anoint your carnal thoughts. Oh, and he will anoint it. Try to tell you, no, no hope for you. Nothing you can do about it. You're cursed. You made this mistake. You made that mistake. I say to you, you're guiltless. In the name of Jesus Christ. You need to walk away like Jesus said to the woman. Go your way and sin no more. Disbelieve no more. He sent an anointing to her. That she might rise up above what the world was saying. He's already provided. While the song leader sings that or plays that song, I want to read you something here. He says, Christ, this is in the church age book. My voice is gone, I'm sorry. Christ in the true church is a continuation of the book of Acts. You're not talking about the last days, talking about every age. Christ in the true church is a continuation of, a book, of the book of Acts. But the book of Revelation shows how that the Antichrist spirit would come into the church and defile it. Making it lukewarm, formal, and powerless. It exposes Satan revealing his works. The attempted destruction of God's people and discrediting of God's word. Right down to the time he is cast in the lake of fire, he fights that. He cannot stand it. He knows he knows that if the people, you've heard this before, but listen to it in the light of today's message. He knows that if the people get the true revelation of the true church and what she is and what she stands for, that she and that she can do the greater works, she will be an invincible army. Rise up on these wings, brothers. Rise up, sisters, on these wings. He said, he goes on and he says, on the next page, he says, that means this book can't be revealed to anyone but a special class of people. 
It will take one with prophetic insight. It will require the ability to hear from God, like Elijah in the cave. It will require supernatural instruction, not just a student comparing verse with verse, though that is good. But a mystery requires the teaching of the Spirit, or it will never become clear. How we need to hear from God and lay ourselves open and become yielded to the Spirit to hear and to know. Is that your desire this morning? Lord, I've heard the word this morning and I believe it. If you don't believe what I preached, I want you to know I believe what I preached. If you go all go out disbelieving, I want God to know I believe every word I said. And I believe it's in full effect and I believe it's mine and I believe it's me. It's just that real to me. I've really enjoyed studying this subject. But it's easier to study than it is to impart because only the Holy Spirit can impart it. And He will only impart it to a special class of people. Oh, you say, Brother Tim, a special class. Is this the elite? Well, I don't know what you call elite, but these are the ones whose names was written in the book before the foundation of the world. Is that you? Amen. He's already provided. Won't you sing that with me this morning? He's already already provided. He's already
sing it that way one more time. We can take the book and eat the book, Lord. Knowing, Father, that we are innocent of the curse because of the blood of the Lamb. The Lamb has paid the price. The Lamb was worthy. We stand guiltless under that blood. Oh, we thank you, Lord. And because of that blood, our healing is paid for. Because of that blood, Lord, our peace is paid for. Our joy is paid for. Father, there might be somebody here tonight that they're going through a lot of strife, a lot of stress, a lot of struggle. Oh, Lord, usher them in, oh, God. Lift them up on the wings of an eagle. Cause them to see, Lord, you've already provided. Oh, Lord, let the Holy Spirit take complete control. And Lord, let your preeminence be seen in every life. I ask in the name of Jesus Christ that you'll move through this meeting now. I pray, Lord, that every need that's in this place, as the believer is holding it in their hearts, I pray, Lord, that your power would touch their lives. I pray, oh God, that you'll just quicken now, Lord. I preached your word. I preached the truth of this message. Now may you just confirm it with your presence. And your power in the life of every believer, oh God. Oh Lord, you never said to your prophet, if you get the people to repent. You just said, if you get the people to believe. Oh Lord, we believe you this morning. We believe your word. We believe your promise. We say, Lord, be it unto us according to thy word. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Bless your word. Confirm it supernaturally, I pray, as only you can do. I stand here, Lord, completely lacking of energy now. I just say, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, let your word come to pass in the life of every believer. Supernaturally, as only you can do it, oh God. In Jesus Christ's name. Hallelujah. All my life you have been faithful. I love you, Lord, for your mercy and
praise this morning. Glory to your name, O oh God. Blessed be thy name. What a message. What an anointing in this hour, O oh God. Raise us up, O oh Lord. Lift us up into your thoughts, O oh God. Raise us above the mouth, above the nose, above the eyes, into the very mind of Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. 